Have you ever gone to someone for, to ask them for wisdom and then decided you'd rather not be wise if that's what it took? You, you go and you say, look, I really want you to give me your wisdom here. And after a while you think, well, actually, maybe I think I'd rather stay dumb. I remember doing exactly that. I was, we were moving towards having our first child and I said to my mentor, a wonderful man named Don, look, will you sit down and give me all of your wisdom on being a father? He was a father of four. And so we sat down for two hours. Don just talked to me about sacrifice. He was like, Greg, for the next 25, 30 years, it's all about sacrificing yourself for these kids. You've got to read the Bible with them. You've got to pray for them. You've got to be there doing homework with them. You're going to be giving up Saturday mornings. You've got to pour your whole heart into these kids kids and I remember sitting there thinking really is this what it takes and I said to him but Don what about my needs and he said Greg you don't get it you don't have needs anymore you have a family and I thought if this is what wisdom looks like I think I'd rather stay dumb because that's often the nature of wisdom isn't it we're we're looking for wisdom at the moment aren't we We're looking for wisdom about how to navigate this situation because we feel really uncertain about what to do next, about what the future is going to look like. That's why we're often really comforted by the person who seems to have that quiet voice of authority, aren't we? Notice the Prime Minister is going for that calm, measured, non-anxious presence. Whenever someone walks onto our TV screen with a lab coat on, a scientist, we kind of lean forward because this is the person who's going to give me wisdom. I'm thinking that from now on as I preach you, I'm just going to start wearing a lab coat because lab coats are the ultimate sign of wisdom now, aren't they? Aren't they? We're really looking for wisdom. And that's where James chapter 1 verse 5 is such a magnificent promise. Just have a look at James chapter 1 verse 5. He says, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to you. Isn't that just a magnificent promise? Here is a prayer that God promises to answer. If you lack wisdom, ask God and he'll give it to you. And notice three things about God here. One, God gives generously. God's not like, I don't know about you, I had a grandmother who whenever she doled out lollies, she would dole them out one at a time. Just these tiny little lollies and and that was her version of generosity. God is not like that. If you ask for wisdom, God will give it to you generously. He'll give you the wisdom that you need. The second thing, notice, is that God gives generously to all. It's not as if there is a special class of wise and an uber-godly Christian. No, God will give generosity to anyone who asks. And the third thing there is, He gives generosity without, He gives wisdom without finding fault. God doesn't blame us because we're not wise. God isn't looking for reasons not to give us wisdom. God really wants us to be wise. Now, isn't that a great promise? Everyone else in the world at the moment is feeling unwise. We're feeling lost and we're feeling anxious. So ask God for wisdom, the wisdom that you need during this whole time. Ask God to give you wisdom about how to love your children and what to say to your children and how to cope with your children being around all the time. Ask God to give you wisdom about what to do financially. A lot of us are anxious about our finances at the moment, aren't we? Ask God for wisdom about that. Ask God for wisdom about how you're going to talk to your friends who aren't Christians about Jesus. God will give you wisdom about that. Now, of course, the place God is going to give us wisdom is His Word, isn't it? 
It's not like God's going to, we pray for wisdom and God's going to do this magical zap of wisdom. Sometimes we, we kind of wonder if maybe that's how God works. We say, God, help me to be pure. And we expect this, this magical zap of purity. God, help me to be more patient with my children. God's going to magically zap me with patience. No, no, down in verse 21 and 22, James talks about the word. The word that's given us life, the word that God implants in us. If you're looking for God's wisdom, the place you'll find it, the way that God will make you wise is through his word. And so can I say now is a great time for us to be really digging into God's word. It might be that for all of your Christian life, you've really struggled to build a habit of opening the Bible every day or even a few times a week and having a prayer life. Now that our lives have shrunk, Maybe now is the time to really work hard at that habit, to start to dig into God's Word. One of the things that I've started to do on our Facebook community pages is just share what I'm reading in my quiet time each day. The thing, passages I'm reading, a couple of thoughts from it, and if you've been following along, you'll know that there's nothing very insightful there, and that means you can join in as well. Read the same passages and make the comments, the things that strike you from the passages, but now is the time for us to go to God's Word. That's how He'll answer our prayers for wisdom. But don't you love James chapter 1, verse 5? I think it's one of the loveliest verses of the Bible. James chapter 1, verse 6, though, well, not so much. <laughs> James chapter 1, verse 6, James, he gives, he gives us a, a serious warning. So have a look in verse 6. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt. Because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. James tells us that when we ask for wisdom, we should believe and not doubt, because if we doubt, we won't get anything. Now, there's a couple of things about this verse that I think make it a little bit tricky. One is, James has just said that God gives generously without finding fault. But verse 7 looks an awful lot like God is finding fault, doesn't it? The person who doubts is like a wind wave of the sea blown and tossed and you shouldn't expect to receive anything. That sounds an awful like God is finding fault. It kind of reminds me of once we were sitting around in a meeting and our dear brother Sam Hilton said to us, look, I'm not pointing the finger at anyone, but, and the, all of us in the room just fell apart laughing. God's kind of doing the same thing here. I'm not going to find fault except with the person who doubts. So that's a bit tricky, isn't it? The second tricky thing about this is, doubt what? You see, I think we naturally assume that when James talks about doubting here, it's doubting that God will give us the wisdom we ask for. He's saying, when you pray, believe that God will give you wisdom and don't doubt that God will be generous. But could it actually be something different? Could it be that James doesn't mean doubting that God will give us wisdom, but rather doubting whether we want the wisdom that God gives us. I think the key is that word, that phrase, double-minded. So have a look how James describes the person who doubts in verse 8. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all that they do. So James is talking here about the person who's in two minds about this 
And you know, James uses the same word over in chapter four. And in chapter four, we learn a lot about his readers. Just have a look at it with me. James says, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire, but you do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God, and when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think that Scripture says without reason that he jealously longs for the spirit he caused to dwell in us? But he gives us more grace. That's why Scripture says God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Come near to God and he'll wash and he'll come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn and wail. Change your mourning to laughter and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. Now we learn a lot about James's readers from those verses, don't we? What we learn is they're people who can't make up their mind. In verse 4, they want a relationship with God, but they also want a relationship with the world. Now, the world is James's way here of talking about humanity in rebellion against God. John uses the same idea for the world uh, in his letters. They want to be friends with God, but they also want to be enemies of God at the same time. They want a relationship with God, but they want the sins of the world. And so in verse 1, he says they've got these battle, these desires battling within them they're torn in two directions in verse 4 he calls them adulterous they've got two loves God and the world in verse 8 they're double-minded they don't know which way they want to go they don't know what they want that's what James is talking about in James chapter 1 he doesn't mean the person who doubts that God will give them wisdom he means doubting whether you want the wisdom God gives. Because when you think about it, God's wisdom is often incredibly challenging. And it's often very different to the way the world thinks and the way we naturally think. I mean, we saw last week, God uses trials to lead us to persevere, which leads us to maturity. God's wisdom is all about leading us to maturity, looking like Jesus, and Jesus was the man of sorrows. Jesus' life was anything but easy. And so we shouldn't be surprised if God's wisdom during this COVID-19 period is different to ours and very different to the world's. And we shouldn't be surprised if God wants to teach us different things during this period than we really want to learn. Let's have a think for a minute about the kind of wisdom God might want to give us during COVID-19. Well, my wisdom during COVID-19 would be that I want to get through this whole time as painlessly as possible. God, may no one in my family get sick. May none of my friends and no one in my church get sick. May I not suffer financially, God. Keep me as free from suffering during this whole time as you can, God. That is my wisdom during this period. Look at God's wisdom in chapter 1, verse 12. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial 
because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. God's wisdom says the blessed person isn't the one who never suffers. It's the one who perseveres under trial because that person grows in maturity, that person grows in perseverance, that person ends up with the crown of life. And I mightn't like God's wisdom very much at that point because God's wisdom is kind of painful. I might actually prefer to stay dumb, but this is the wisdom of God. Another area, my wisdom during this whole time tells me that the thing to do is look out for number one. Look after me and my family and and panic by and shrink down my world of concern to just keeping my family safe at all costs. It's every man for himself. That's what my wisdom says. Look at God's wisdom in chapter 1, verse 27. Religion that our God and Father accepts as pure and faultless is this to look after widows and orphans, orphans and widows in their distress, and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. God's wisdom is very different to ours, isn't it? God's wisdom means looking after the weak and the vulnerable. God's wisdom means giving away my food, giving away my possessions, giving away money, giving away toilet paper to other people. God's wisdom means putting you ahead of me. And as I hear that, I'm not sure I want God's wisdom. You see, it's a dangerous thing for us to pray, God, please make me wise during this period. Be careful what we pray for. Because God's wisdom will make us more like Jesus and Jesus was the man of sorrows. That's why in verse 5, James asks us to trust God and not doubt. Notice there where the word believe is used, it's the word trust. As we, tr- as we ask God for wisdom, we need to trust that his wisdom really is the best thing for us, even though it might lead to more pain. We need to trust that God's wisdom really is the best thing for us, even though it might be more costly. Let's pray for wisdom and then be single-minded. You know, I'm really excited to see what kind of people we will be at the end of this. Because I can see that God really is at work during this whole time to make us wise, to help us to persevere, to help us to be mature. We're going to be different as we come out of this period. And while I'm a bit fearful, because that's going to involve suffering, I'm also really excited. God's at work here in his people and in the world. What we need to do is keep asking for wisdom and trust him. I'm going to pray for exactly that now. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we trust that your wisdom is greater than ours. Even though at times it will lead us through suffering, even though at times it will be costly, we trust that your wisdom is greater than ours. Help us not to be double-minded, wanting your wisdom and the wisdom of the world. Instead, we pray that we would draw near to you We pray that we would trust you. And Father, we trust that throughout this whole period, you will grow us. You'll lead us towards maturity. You'll help us to persevere. While we're afraid, we look forward to the work you're doing among us. And we pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen.